0: When you find something that moves you, you will find means and ways to solve that problem. And the jobs of the future are not going to be about how much you know, it's about how are you going to use the knowledge that you have to have an impact on the society.
1: Sid Verma is an entrepreneur and founder of a new organisation called Brainstem. Brainstem is a global STEM collaboration platform which connects high school students with universities and industry around Australia. Quite simply, it gets school kids working on a real-world problem for 12 weeks with support from techies in the field. I was lucky enough to get along to the final presentation of the student's work at the end of 2017, but this is a conversation I recorded with Sid about the whole thing. And of course, three short films that give more context to what makes him tick. Stick around to listen to a man doing great things for the next generation of science and technology innovators. The best short films for lifelong learning recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love with your host, Richard Lee.
0: First of all, thank you so much for the, for the opportunity to be a part of the conversation. I, I, I joke about it, but I say that you know, everybody should have a world domination idea. Um, Brainstem is my world domination idea, and, and uh, the, the mission is to build a global STEM collaboration platform so that high school students from all over the world are inspired to think and innovate um, by solving real-world problems that matter to them. Uh, And we do this by by delivering and engaging uh, practical opportunities for students to explore. Um, And, you know, that builds the change makers of the next generation and encourage them, you know, to pursue innovation. Um, It's done through the Brainstorm Innovation Challenge. um, And we are in the process of launching a whole lot of new programs for girls, for students in regional Australia, uh, in other parts of the world. And uh, it's it's an absolute uh, pleasure to see how people have come on board to support us in in our mission and to see the program grow over the last couple of years.
1: So, I'm a I'm a teacher in a secondary school, for example. Tell me how you know I can get involved, or how I can get my students involved in, in what you do. How does how does that work?
0: So, given that the Brainstem program is fairly young. Um, at the moment, it's it's largely through us being able to access our own network. But if you are a secondary school teacher or a high school teacher, um, my, my view of your world uh, as somebody from the industry is that you, and I'm assuming you are a science teacher, uh, my view of the world is that you are already strapped for resources and time in terms of being, you know, teaching, setting up the answer sheets and exams and questions and this that, and everything else, whereas these your students are living in a world which is overloaded with information. And when they come up to you with ideas of, uh, whether it's robotics or science or chemistry or AI or machine learning or any of those sort of things, um, there has to be a way or a means for them to access that sort of uh, learning or mentoring or information. Uh, You as a teacher are strapped for time and resources, you might have the will and drive to do it for them, but you're not able to. Brainstem is that program which connects these high school students with scientists in universities, uh, with people in the industry who are working in these respective fields. And like I said, we do this with with the innovation challenge and in, in, in the most simplistic form, it's a team of four students that work in a team and we pair them up with a mentor, which is a scientist or an industry mentor. The best way to get in touch with us is through our website, brainstem.org.au and uh, get onto the Contact Us page and somebody from our amazing team of volunteers will get in touch with you and get you onto the program. Of
1: course. Fantastic. It's uh, it's funny, you know, I was uh, just a few weeks ago I went to my 30-year reunion of of year 12 from my high school. And, um, you know, there's a lot that you look back and you go, gee, education has changed so much since when I was at school. Um, But one of my friends highlighted how one of of the uh, surprising things that school does for you is actually um, give you a moment in your life, a time when you can connect with other people. I had a look at some of the, the promo material of, of Brainstem. And the thing that stood out for me was that, you know, one kid said, I really like this re- researcher. They're a really nice guy. Or this person, I really found this person a good mentor. And, and I thought, what a what a great idea it is of of what you're doing because it's connecting people with people you know so many of us learn because we connect with people we have a good experience when we spend time with people you know I'm into maths and science but I think largely because of my um, admiration for the teachers that taught me those subjects so do you think that's a big part of what you're doing what brainstem is about?
0: (laughs) Absolutely, and uh, I'll give you uh, a couple of different stories. So the first one is, you know, when I, when I, I mentor some PhD students in, in universities and obviously, you know, with uh, students in, in the brainstem program, but one thing that I actively advocate is the, is the fact that you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And we as humans go out and seek those people to make that circle of five sometimes by default because they are our friends or our family and we sort of laugh like them we think like them we talk like them and you know that becomes our comfort zone but to get ahead in life in in whatever field you choose to be in i actively encourage people to go and find those four or five other people who are doing extremely well in those respective areas and then that becomes your circle of five and then you start thinking behaving talking learning um from them and then that makes you grow
1: Now, at this point, Sid uh, told me a great story about his son, how he won an international science competition based on a project motivated by the death of his Indian grandfather. They then travelled to the US and met other students, and they noticed that the students who were most engaged and clear about their work were those who connected with why they were doing the work and had an opportunity to talk to other scientists and practitioners. It's a story you can hear about in the extended interview.
0: But then we came back to Australia, and you know, the Prime Minister was talking about the innovation agenda and how a whole generation of scientists we've lost. And I thought there has to be a way to connect these young, uh, impressionable minds to the community and help them, you know, be more excited. So that's how Brainstem was born. And so going back to your question about the value of talking to people who are not just your your teachers but people from the industry is that you learn. You know ninety percent of our learning is informal learning. It's in the environment we are in. it's the the internet, the conversation, the people. ten percent is textbooks. So if ninety percent is is learning from the world around us, how can we make sure that we create that environment of the circular learning for them so that they can observe, watch and then translate the learning from there?
1: and and it's hands-on. it's actually something I think one of the students made a comment that you know so much of, so much of the learning we do is, is quite disconnected. It's it's quite abstract. But what you're talking about is something that's project-based. It's something that they, we need to have a solution or an answer or a problem that gets solved right now. And so it's very focused in that way too. But but my before you explain a bit about that, my I, I guess a, a little criticism, not a criticism, but it's a question, is how if you've only got students working in teams for 12 weeks, does it give you long enough to develop those skills to for teachers to develop the relationships and and all those sort of things what's what are these constraints that you work with in your program
0: you, you touch on a very interesting point about the learning um, and they, they they learn things why they, they they join the program to learn about stem and the science and innovation they learn about getting to meetings on time they learn about time management they learn about talking to people who are not your friends, but almost in some ways a stranger. They learn about building a rapport with somebody who is there to impart some sort of knowledge uh, to you. Um, You learn about managing your homework and your school sports and your assignments and something new and exciting. Uh, You start learning how to communicate, re-communicating with your family and explaining to them something which is uniquely different to what you're doing in school and your communication skills develop. So all this learning sort of comes along the way. So we find that the 12-week program gives them enough uh, space to, to work on this. The other fascinating thing that's come out of that is not every project as a part of the Brainstorm Innovation Challenge is, uh, is the one that will go through becoming a product and starting a company and becoming entrepreneurs. But the ones that do, we are continuing them on that journey. Uh, and there have been examples of uh, teams that have gone and presented at MedTech Got Talent and landed up in the top 20 across the whole country. Uh, they've gone and spoken at the STEM conference and presented their idea beyond brainstem. So we try and continue the learning for these students well beyond the program, depending on how much they want to take it forward.
1: I was just, as you were saying about the 12 weeks, I was thinking, gee, you know, when people start in a new place of employment, they say it takes one year to learn the job when you actually feel, you know, competent about what you're doing. The first year is learning the job. The second year is starting to feel like you know what you're doing. The third year, you're an expert, you know, so to to even expect something in 12 weeks is quite remarkable, isn't it? But
0: you would be surprised the kind of things these students come up with. Look, even though it's 12 weeks of a program, the actual time they spend with these mentors is anywhere between 18 to 20 hours. So over 12 weeks, it's about 18 to 20 hours of mentoring that happens uh, face to face for each student. Uh, That is often enough to fire up their mind in terms of, Is chemistry for me or not? Or is physics for me or not? Am I a science person or do I need to combine science and arts and go into something which is more creative? Those questions are answered. We unlock those sort of thoughts in their mind. Uh, And because there are no assignments, there are no school tests that they have the fear of failing in, then they just, you know, it frees up their creativity in their mind to just go and do something.
1: Now, you've already touched on a few big ideas in our chat so far. So, by way of segue, there's another big idea that interests you called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And to explain that idea, um, I want to just mention this film that you've recommended, short film called The Fourth Industrial Revolution by the World Economic Forum. The original Industrial Revolution was driven by the discovery that you could use steam engines to do all kinds of interesting things.
0: But that was followed by additional revolutions for electricity and computers and communications technology. We're now in the early stages of the fourth Industrial Revolution, which is bringing together digital, physical and biological systems. One of the features of this fourth Industrial Revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing
1: but it changes us.
0: The reason why I I like that film is because often when you start talking to people, parents especially, about... uh, I speak in forums about the future of work and the future for our next generation. And it's always hard to explain to the parents about what jobs of the future are going to be. You know, they look at what they see today in the job market and they go... My son or my daughter should become an engineer or a doctor or uh, or, uh, or an accountant because that's what's going on right now. And then I say to them that what is there right now, these jobs did not did not exist five years back, six years back. You know, bloggers, programmers, coders, six, seven years back were not there. They are the top jobs right now. By the time your child gets to employable age, these jobs will not be there. And it's important to understand how the world is moving along. And so when we go through the first, the second, the third revolution, the fourth revolution, which is the coming together of humans, technology, machines, is where the jobs of the future are coming from. This documentary, uh, well, well a, a film, short film, all prepared by the World Economic Forum, and they have this uh, the conference every year, explains in very simple terms... Uh, without uh, almost, should I say, uh, or dare I say, without making you feel overwhelmed about how the technology is moving to make you understand and by humanizing that this is where the world is heading. And it almost opens up your mind um, to the possibility of thinking outside of or thinking in the future that if that's what is happening around the world then we should be preparing for that sooner rather than later.
1: It also reminds me of how, you know, at at my age, I'm sort of thinking, what am I going to do next? And, you know, oh, it's all too hard. But, you know, I was speaking to a young friend of mine, and he said, I couldn't imagine living in a more exciting time. You know, there's this sort of paradox that we're living in of there's so many opportunities and so many possibilities, but it's really hard. So, And I think that this this piece particularly, Goes to the optimism and the pessimism of it all. You know this this dichotomy of it's it's an amazing time that we're living in, isn't it?
0: It is, and also I think uh, quite often people get challenged by technology that the machines are taking over, the robots are taking over, we are going to lose our jobs. But if you if you see there are moments in that in that in that film where there's a lady uh, there's a woman who is working in a factory in the US in a car factory. And she breaks it down, and she says the machines are there to do things to do things quickly. But then we come and program them, and we make sure that the programmer uses them properly, so that they do their work a lot quicker.
1: We we help the machines almost. We help the
0: machines. <laughs> that's right. And I think that shift in understanding that, uh, you know, that machines are not replacing us. Well, some jobs are being replaced, of course. But they they you have to find that thing for yourself uh, where you are controlling the machines and not the other way around.
1: Let me move on to another one that you've chosen called Dottie. An elderly woman is sitting next to a younger woman in a nursing home. The younger is trying to explain to the older how to use predictive text on a phone headset.
0: Here it is. Good. Oh, it's gonna put an
1: F in there. It's okay. No, it's not. No, look, it's, it's okay, really. It's what's supposed to happen. Look, it's called... it's called predictive. It predicts what word you want to say.
0: Well, it didn't do a very good job. It predicted if, when I want to say hello. But if we
1: keep going, it'll sort itself out. I promise. I so get this. I've, so, you know, I've been through this with my dad and, you know, why is this so hard? You know, just slow down. Let me try to explain. <laughs> it, it does a number of things for me, this film. It's, it's so relatable, but it, cha- it raises the challenge of, of good, um, you know, user interface, good design, making things that are readable for everyone. Where did you find this film? What drew you to it? Why did you want to share this one?
0: So I'm a huge advocate of storytelling. And I think that one thing that we don't really teach um, kids in school is the art of great storytelling. This film, I came across it uh, in, my, in my health tech entrepreneurial travels. And it was an event that I was organizing and it was on age care. Uh, and uh, effective uh, human centered design in age care. And this film was played. And uh, it highlighted the fact that sometimes uh, we, by function of the world and the time we live in, we make the assumption that technology can solve all the problems. Sometimes the simplest of things can, can if we don't understand it, can, can be the biggest barrier in getting the message across. Uh, the reason why I like uh, Dotty is because the way that story is told is just beautiful. It is human. It is raw. The way the story is told and takes you on that journey is, I think, it is one of the most beautifully told stories uh, and, and relationship. It shows us patience. It shows us resilience. It shows us compassion. It shows us, uh, you know, in fact, even the the, the person walking outside on, on the walker to demonstrate <laughs> how time is going by. Yes, Uh, you know little little things, and it's a it's Mm -hmm. they are what three actors. That's it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah, it's that movie. That movie it moves me every single time I watch it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very clever. It's it's a very clever (laughs) movie.
1: Let me move on to another one that you've chosen called Blood from the Sky. Historically, blood delivery
0: in the East African country has been plagued by long delays due to bad roads and the remoteness of many health facilities. The consequences are often tragic for patients in need of transfusions, including mothers giving birth, individuals undergoing surgery, and young victims of malaria. But ZipLine's fleet of drones, which travel up to 100 kilometers per hour, can service more than half of Rwanda's district hospitals from a single launch site within 45 minutes of an order being placed. Thrust into the air by a system of bungee pulleys, the Zips follow a pre-programmed route using real-time kinetic satellite navigation.
1: To me, it's, it's a lovely example of technology being used in a way that helps people in in difficult situations, a really inspiring story. what what did you like about this?
0: The reason why I like that story is because it shows you that when you when you find something that moves you and you know you can have an impact, you will find means and ways to solve that problem. And the jobs of the future are not going to be about, how much you know or what all do you know it's about how are you going to use the knowledge that you have to have an impact on the society so you know we used to hire for ha- we used to hire for hand the first sort of uh, revolution the second was hire for head or, or or how much you knew and i think employers in the future are going to be hiring for heart in terms of what can you do with the skills that you have and this is, is a great example of, you know, they didn't go to uh, um, to the U.S. or to Australia or to New Zealand. They went to an African nation where they know that the help and the impact will be significant. Now they're obviously doing well and the UPS has partnered with them and they're, they're, the company is growing extremely well. But it all began with a very, very simple idea of getting something to somebody in the shortest possible time who needs it the most Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh, it's inspiring for uh, you know our faith in humanity to actually do do good and and to to do some great things. That's it was a lovely story, that's for sure. Um, you, you mentioned jokingly before, you know, everyone should have one idea about world domination, and uh, it's it sounds like you know I was reading something earlier this morning about. Competition. It's undeniable that the world is competitive, so we should just get with the program and be competitive as well. But it sounds like the work that you're doing, um, you know, even your entrepreneurial efforts, um, have uh, an element of compassion and thought for other people in it. At this point, Sid gave me a bonus film, a fourth film, and you can hear about that in the extended interview. But we then went on to talk about how we can look out for others in our daily lives
0: you know there will be situations where you will be faced with the with the possibility of you know maybe uh, helping somebody i'll give an example a couple of days back i was uh, i was in the city in in, in the cbd in melbourne and um, i was waiting to take the tram from Flinders street to go i think four or five stops up the road and that day, I was uh, the tram 70 or 75 came by, and then r- right behind that was the brown tourist city circle tram. And I chose to go in the brown one because, you know, it's free tram zone, anyways. In, the, in that brown tram are the tourists.
1: There's more tourists, yes.
0: <laughs> and you hear the conversations, and sometimes you'll see them looking at a map and going, Should we go here or should we go there or whatever. And I cracked up a conversation with some with with a lovely couple who were there from from Birmingham. There was a cruise ship that had come down here, and they were just spending the whole day in Melbourne. For the next, I actually went past three three stops past my actual stop because we were so having a lot of fun talking to them. But I told them about five things to do in Melbourne in the next forty five minutes, uh, and they they thanked me and hopefully they had a good day in Melbourne. But if you do not go out and talk to other people. Uh, uh, and see how you can help them. You know, you'll never get that happy feeling that you are doing something nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a fine example for all of us. It's as you say, it's interesting, but it's also fulfilling, isn't it? When you're uh, when you're engaging with people who who have something that they need, and you can you can supply that need, and you can help them along the way. Absolutely, yeah. it doesn't cost yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, do you, just out of interest, do you, do you ever use in your talks and presentations, do you ever use videos and short films in, in what, you, what you do? I, uh,
0: I, yes, I, <laughs> I, I have used videos in the past. Uh, I, I have a habit of collecting photos that, I, that grab my attention. Um, in fact, I, I do a series of presentations for corporates, which is called the Startup Mindset in a Large Enterprise. And that's really presenting to um, old-school corporates about what is happening in the startup world and how people are doing things differently. I think visual um, communication has such a significant impact on, 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 on all of us that you can get the message across um, far more effectively than just pure texts. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and as we sort of wrap up, there's, there's lots of things you've talked about and, and um, so many levels of inspiration you're providing me with. It's great. But is, is there any other things that you would like to say, given that a lot of people listening to this are, are probably teachers? Um, is there any, anything else that you would like to say to teachers, either, either from the work that you're doing or just general advice about um, making a better educational future for our students?
0: I'll speak from a from a brainstem point of view and a personal point of view, and there are two or three things that are really grabbing my attention at the moment. Um, the first one is is building a better future for for girls, uh, and I say that with genuine intent because so uh, my view is that you know the world is half men half women, 50-50. Brainstem is a program, you know, not by design, but by default, we've had over 50% of the students are girls, uh, over 60% are from public schools or lower socioeconomic schools. Um, and what we found is that the, the level of engagement and participation and interest and enthusiasm that we see from girls uh, and from students from uh, public or lower socioeconomic schools is just remarkable. Because they get to see an environment that they have never seen before of working with scientists at universities. And they, they genuinely value that. So I encourage teachers to find means and ways of trying to get the students out of the classroom environment and presenting them with opportunities. Even if it's, they don't have to come to Brainstorm. You know, uh, as much as I, w- I was, I would love for every single student to come to Brainstorm and and help us achieve that world domination dream. Um, I would strongly encourage every teacher to, even if it's for half an hour or twenty minutes, talk to these students about. You know, if you play the guitar, uh, go to a local aged care facility and spend twenty minutes playing your favorite song to elderly people. You know, if you if, if gardening is your thing, go out to the local community garden and spend 20 minutes in, in talking to five people and telling them your the new technique of you know watering plants or whatever. You will learn so much more as a young adult, and the impact it'll have on you it's it's remarkable. Personally, you know, I think that um, you know I I'm excited about the future because from a from, you know we are we are launching. A whole host of new programs. We're launching a Bright Stars program for students who are ten to twelve years old, where you have an idea and you go through a twelve-week uh, program to take your your paper napkin idea into some sort of a design. Uh, we are we are connecting international students to come to Australia and work with scientists and take them through the whole design philosophy of human centered design. Uh, we have this, you know, if our idea wasn't big enough, we have this dream of uh, reaching. 500 schoolgirls in the next two years uh, through the Brainstem program. So if you have, if you are a parent who is watching this video or a teacher, send them to us because we know we we know that when we connect these students, these fresh minds with scientists, amazing things happen. So uh, you know, and I'm insanely optimistic about the future that we know we are living the best possible time we ever can. And it's for us to go and grab it. In closing, all I would like to say is that, you know, we, we owe it to our future generations to uh, to create a much better world for them. And, uh, you know, I like the saying that, you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And the journey is long, and we all have to come together, teachers, parents, um, People like Brainstem, you know, people like yourself, to collectively build an environment so that our future generations are able to really accelerate and make a significant impact. We are here. We have to. We owe it to them to help them.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sid. You've given me much inspiration to go into my week with, and uh, I wish you all the best with with the work that you're doing with Brainstem. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity.
1: Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.